ID the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. The James Webb Telescope is opening up whole new worlds, galaxies even, to us now. And what are we discovering so far? Greetings, I'm Tom Gilson. Today on ID the Future, Stephen C. Meyer, Director of the Center for Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute, is on the air with Michael Medved to tell us about it. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a great nation that has managed a great achievement just in the last few days. It's become clear how great that achievement is. The Webb Space Telescope. No, it's not partisan. It's not divisive. It's just mind-blowing of photographs that could be literally billions of years old. Images of our universe in formation. And then there are new books actually coming out about what our universe is made of. What is that dark matter that uh, apparently began everything? that everything grew out of and there's more and more scientific proof that it moves in that direction so who are you gonna call you can't call ghostbusters to clarify all of this but you can call thank goodness steve meyer uh... steve is the uh... in charge of uh... the uh... discovery institute center for science and culture discovery institute the irreplaceable think tank in downtown Seattle and he is the author of the New York Times bestseller Darwin's Doubt the explosive origin of animal life and the case for intelligent design most recently another bestseller and a book about really all of the questions that are raised so directly by this uh, web space telescope and what it's found the new book is return of the god hypothesis which has been on bestseller lists actually for months and months. Uh, Steve, have you been as fascinated by this web story as I suspect you have been? Absolutely, and especially enchanted with the first photographs that are coming to us of what's called the Hubble Deep Field, the uh, uh, that reveal this unimaginably vast universe of galaxies upon galaxies, even in the tiniest, tiniest little. Uh, parts of our visual field. If you hold a grain of sand at arm's length, uh, it's now possible to take a photograph with that telescope of that tiny little smidgen of space, and it reveals galaxies upon galaxies stretching, well, not just as far as the eye can see, but as far as this infrared vision of the James Webb Space Telescope can can, uh, take us. And uh, right now we're talking about uh, the images that we're actually seeing were much uh, earlier in in terms of the creation of the universe. It's not only incredibly distant in space; it's distance in time. How do we how do we know that what we're seeing is actually so long, long ago? Well, that's a consequence of the speed of light and the calculations that astronomers can make about what they call look-back time. So if something is very, very far away, the images, the information about those uh, galaxies in particular would have taken a very, very long time to get to us. And since we know how long or how uh, how fast light travels, we can calcul
are. So when we're looking uh, billions of light years out, we're looking billions of light years or billions of years back. And the great thing about the James Webb telescope is that it uses um, infrared vision because it's it's cooled to very low temperature. In fact, uh, 370 degrees below Fahrenheit, the, te- the, 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 the telescope itself, that allows it to use infrared to get infrared, detect infrared radiation, very long wavelength radiation. And that allows us to look very far back into time and see the first stars and galaxies forming out of the darkness of the early universe. And so we can see what the galaxies were like in, and the, at those very far reaches of space and time, um, the earliest galaxies that later became the grand spiral galaxies and elliptical galaxies that are, are closer to us today. And we're talking about, I, I believe that uh, one of the estimates that I have read is if some 13 billion years back, yeah, that's which is really extraordinary because the the accepted date for the origin of the universe is 13.8 billion years, and the engineers and the scientists who have worked on the James Webb think that it will have a look back time of ultimately three 13.5 billion years, so within 300 uh, uh, thousand years of the origin of the universe itself. In other words, sorry, sorry, 300 original, million years of the, the origin original, of the universe itself. Yeah, the original. Big Bang and enormously closer to the beginnings of, of the universe than where well, we and that, are now. That's the other fascinating thing about it, Michael, because the, we know about the Big Bang first and foremost because of the light coming from distant galaxies and the way that that light has been stretched out and it appears to be redder. It, it's coming to us with very long, longer wavelengths than it should have if the objects were stationary in relation to us. So if an object is moving away from us, the radiation coming from the object will be stretched out and the wavelengths of that radiation, that light, will be longer or toward the red end of the, uh, the visible light spectrum. What the James Webb Telescope allows us to do is look into the infrared um, spectrum and to see wavelengths of, of effectively not visible light, the invisible infrared. And so it enables us to detect a degree of what's called red shift that it was previously um, something that we couldn't see through uh, the telescopes that we had. And so this enables us to see, uh, to confirm an expectation that we would have on the basis of the standard Big Bang cosmology, that the further out the galaxies are, they should be moving faster, and further the way they are away from us, the faster they'll be moving, and then the light should be stretched out in a correspondingly greater degree. With this new telescope, we can test that prediction looking back 10 billion, 13 billion years, because the what we should be what we should be then seeing is uber redshifted light, light that has that's been stretched out so so greatly that it's no longer in the visible spectrum; it's in the infrared. And this telescope can detect that infrared light and therefore confirm that light has been stretched out to the extent that it should, in accord with the idea of an expanding universe outward from a beginning, from a creation event. And uh, the creation is still going on. They are still there are still stars in formation in different parts of the universe. The universe is expanding in the forward direction of time, outward from that initial big bang or singularity, and it continues to expand. And in fact, we now 
think, uh, since about 1998, that the universe is accelerating in its expansion, which confirms that the universe will ha- not recollapse on itself, so that the universe is moving forward from one singular beginning. We won't have a, a, a series of of expansions and contractions and expansions and contractions. That was an old idea in cosmology known as the oscillating universe, and that's been refuted by the the uh, the, the evidence that the universe is not just expanding but accelerating. It's it, it's it's expanding faster and faster and faster in in one direction outward. And I know there's a big new um, book that has uh, just come out about dark matter and uh, what that is, which appears to be everywhere around us. And it's not just emptiness or nothing. It's something. But what? And what does all this mean about traditional religious belief? Uh, Steve has written a powerful piece. It's posted on our website at michaelmedved.com. How Science Stopped backing atheists and started pointing back to God. Uh, Could that even be possible at a time when uh, polls, as uh, Steve mentions in his column, which we'll get to in a moment, when polls indicate that uh, there are more and more people who are uh, basically discarding traditional religious viewpoints of the the origins not just of life but of reality in all its forms uh, we will get back to uh, to Steve Meyer the author of The Return of the God Hypothesis we return with him coming up on the Medved Show received his Ph.D. in the philosophy of science from the University of Cambridge. He is a former geophysicist and college professor who now directs Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture right here in Seattle. He has uh, authored several New York Times bestsellers, the most recent, The Return of the God Hypothesis. He is also the author of a provocative uh, column in Newsweek that just appeared. It is uh, called How Science Stopped Backing Atheists and Started Pointing Back to God. Uh, Steve, in terms of science actually pointing to God, what's most surprising in your work, and it's very much part of your book, is how many uh, contemporary scientists, and, and again, I, including my late father, who was a distinguished physicist, uh, for whom that is true, that digging into some of these real mysteries of the universe that science has no easy explanation for really do point to uh, not just a creator, but to ongoing creation which is one of the themes in Return of the God Hypothesis, no? Well, this is exactly the theme, that the the major discoveries that have been made in modern science about biological, 
uh, and cosmological origins have all had really profound theistic implications. We Modern cosmology has determined that the universe indeed had a beginning, that the material universe of matter, space, time, and energy began a finite time ago, as best we can tell. And um, from the very beginning of the universe, the physical laws and constants of the universe, the initial conditions of matter and energy were precisely structured against all odds and for no underlying physical reason in such a way as to make life possible, uh, again, again, against all odds, uh, suggesting uh, what physicists call this phenomenon the fine-tuning, suggesting the reality not only of a external creator to explain the Big Bang, but also an intelligent creator to explain the fine-tuning, a fine-tuner to explain, <laughs> explain the fine-tuning. And then in biology, we've discovered an exquisite world of informational nanotechnology inside even the simplest living cells, whereas in Darwin's time, people thought that the simple unit, the simplest unit of life, a cell, was a, um, uh, a, a homogenous globule of plasm was one of the, the, the ways it was described. We now know that the cell is complex beyond our most high, our hi- highest tech uh, digital computing. We have an information inside the cell. There's an information storage, transmission, and processing system that uh, uses digital information to construct all the important protein molecules that keep cells alive. So the complexity of the cell, the exquisite design of the universe, the evidence for the beginning of the universe, these three things together, uh, I think, point not to blind, pitiless indifference, as Richard Dawkins has put it, but rather to uh, a designing, a transcendent and, and designing intelligence. And that's, that makes this a new day in science. And yet we still have the other message being propagated by self-appointed spokesmen for science, like Bill Nye, the science guy, and Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss, who are essentially celebrity spokesmen for atheism, and they're doing it in the name of science. And I think they're misrepresenting science, and that's what my column was about. Yeah, and and one of the things is that when you when you start reading about the number of stars of galaxies, as I'm, it, it, what's extraordinary is it's I uh, the, you would know off the top of your head, I'm sure, but the with the space telescope and all the research that they've done recently, they've greatly uh, raised the number of different galaxies and stars and star systems that they believe exist in the universe, right? It's it's mind-blowing. I was with a couple of radio astronomers at our uh, summer seminar for our grad students just this week, and I had used the figure 200 billion galaxies in my book. Apparently, a more accurate figure is now an order of magnitude greater at 2 trillion galaxies. And when you see some of those pictures coming in from the James Webb uh, Space Telescope, they are only magnifying a little tiny smidgen of space, again, the size of a, a grain of sand, as it would look to your eye if you put it the, at, the, at arm's length. And yet in that tiny little portion of the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the visual field, there are galaxies galore, and it gives you a sense of the, just the enormity of the universe. But it's not just that the universe is big. The extraordinary discovery of 20th century cosmology was that the universe is expanding in all directions outward in a kind of spherically symmetric way like a balloon such that if you back that time clock up the galaxies would get closer and closer and closer together in the reverse direction of time finally converging at a point marking the beginning of the universe 
past which you cannot back extrapolate. So you have a beginning of the universe, the beginning of time and space itself, which marks a creation event, which we now call the Big Bang. Right. And do you have any sense at all? I mean, because you're you're also a scholar of religious text and religious answers, why it would be uh, that uh, there, there would be so much more uh, universe out there and so many more galaxies and each galaxy, of course, having. Uh, some of them billions of stars in the galaxy, right? I mean, that. Uh, why, why would it be one of the characteristics that seems to be most evident with an intelligent designer is just the profligate creation that goes on and on and on beyond the capacity to imagine? Yeah, I think of it, uh, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a scientist, I think the conclusion you have to come to is that there was a beginning. And there's a great, the great quotation from uh, Arno Penzias, who was one of the scientists who discovered the cosmic background radiation that helped confirm the, 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 the fact of the Big Bang. And he said that the, the evidence we have is exactly what I would have predicted if I had nothing to go on but the first five books of Moses and the Bible as a whole. And I know we've had, you've had Gerald Schroeder on with me in the past who wrote The Science of God, the Israeli physicist who knew your dad very well, and they come to the same conclusion. But there is this theological question, why would God go to all that trouble of creating all those other galaxies? I like to think of it as divine extravagance, that he made all of this for our, our, our benefit and our enchantment. And uh, sometimes people ask me, well, why did he make all those dinosaurs and then let them go extinct? And I always say, well, it's for the endless amusement of four-year-old boys uh, <laughs> millions of years later. You know, there's this, this sense that uh, it was all made because it pleased him to do so. Right. And uh, in terms of people who say, when you begin to start talking about uh, trillions of stars, uh, there's always a question about, well, there must be intelligent life out there somewhere. Any news on that? Well, we'll have to get to that next time. Uh, the uh, Steve Meyer piece, How Science Stopped Backing Atheists, they decided, well, we're not going to back a losing horse. Uh, How Science Stopped Backing Atheists and Started Pointing Back to God, that's posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com. That was Stephen C. Meyer with Michael Medved. We're grateful to the Michael Medved Show for permission to replay this audio for you. For ID the Future, I'm Tom Gilson. Thank you for listening. Visit us at idthefuture.com and intelligentdesign.org. This program is Copyright Discovery Institute and recorded by its Center for Science and Culture.